Welcome to The Pet Perspective. Today we're talking about the stresses of firework night and I'm joined by veterinary behaviourist Dr Julie Ashton who will be helping us to help our pets stay calm when the fireworks go off this year. Hi Julie, thanks for joining. Hi Rhiannon, nice to meet you. Thank you for inviting me on. Great to meet you too. Now we know fireworks night can be really stressful for both pets and pet parents. Mm -hmm. But why is firework night such a stressful thing for for dogs and cats and owners alike? Yeah, really good question. So I suppose noise phobia, which is sort of how we describe those dogs or the cats that have that really over-the-top response to fireworks, sort of comes from a quite normal place. So it's protective for a dog or a cat if they hear a loud noise to run away from it or to try and get distance because that could actually suggest that something dangerous is outside. So, you know, we know it's a firework, but it could be something that could be a risk to them. So a lot of kind of animals will show a fear response. They might hide away or they might run away. Um, And that can be quite distressing when those noises then continue on. So rather than it just being a bang and then they recover, on fireworks, we tend to get a lot of fireworks over consecutive days. And so they tend to kind of get more and more stressed as it goes on and they can find it quite tricky to cope. And what are some of the signs of, let's start with dogs, how can I know that my dog is actually getting pretty stressed? What are some signs? So I tend to talk to my clients about um, the dogs having this kind of traffic light system of what we're looking for. So green is good. Green is your dog's kind of moving around with a nice loose body language and they are generally quite calm. So when they are green, they're thinking logically. They can respond to cues. If you ask them to sit down or lie down, they can do those things um, and they can learn. Now, if they're amber, these are signs the dog's starting to get themselves a bit worked up or a bit anxious. So um, signs in dogs might be things like licking their lips. Now, obviously, they're just eaten and they're licking their lips. That's fine. That's to do with food. But if they just start randomly licking their lips, they may be a bit anxious. They may start yawning. You might get a dog that then finds it tricky to settle. So a bit of kind of pacing around. You might get some panting. You sometimes see what we call whale eye, which is where you see the whites of the dog's eyes starting to show. Some dogs do a really exaggerated furrowed eyebrows. They look like a little anxious person with a little kind of worried eyebrow. And ears might be straight up or we can get them pulling them back and kind of looking really flat across the front of their face. Um, You might start seeing the tail either tucking Mm -hmm. or starting to wag, being quite kind of erect and starting to wag quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And then behaviourally, they may be either coming to you, so sort of really seeking reassurance, or they might starting to be taking themselves off somewhere else. And then red is kind of, I'm really quite stressed. So red is kind of verging on that, that panic. And so they might be, you know, freeze, fight or flight responses, basically. So running away, really terrified. You might get that dog that's kind of frozen in fear, either hiding somewhere that can't move or just kind of frozen where they are. Mm-hmm. Or occasionally you might get some kind of growling, um, you know, barking types of behaviour. Now, I guess in terms of kind of response to noises, some response is normal. It's there from an evolutionary perspective, mm-hmm. but it starts to become a really welfare issue when those dogs are showing a really out of proportion response to the threat that they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's continuing on over a prolonged period. Then we start worrying that actually it's starting to affect how they're feeling. 
That's a really interesting point about the traffic-like system and the fact that green is really the only time when they can learn and when they're open to learning. Yeah. Something I learned with my pup when he was younger. If he gets the manic look in his eye when we're out in the park, yeah. training has to be over. Like there's no, there's no getting through to him at that time. No. But in terms of firework night, I guess it's important because if your pup is displaying those stressed behaviours, it's almost too late then, perhaps? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. To do the training then? Absolutely. You know, in that space, their body's telling them they've got to keep safe so everything is going to be kind of geared towards keeping that animal alive in their brain that's what they think they have to do in order to reproduce it's kind of what every animal wants to do and even if they're neutered and they can't reproduce they don't really understand that's that drive to survive if you like and so we tend to look you know far too late about doing some training when actually the dog's already having a panic basically and so they can't learn anything their brain is too stressed in those scenarios that makes a lot of sense. And we did in the, in the in our previous episode, we talked about some of the ways that you can out train noise phobia in the long term. And we are in a minute going mm-hmm. to be talking about what you can do on the day. But before that, let's talk a little yeah. bit about cats, because dogs aren't necessarily the only ones that get scared yeah. of noises or fireworks. So how can you tell a stressed cat? So this is something I'm, I'm super passionate about is kind of identifying and recognizing that our cats are stressed. So most veterinary behaviourists will see far more dogs than we do cats. And that probably, well, isn't actually because dogs are more stressed or more fearful or more anxious. But I think we don't tend to pick up very much that the cats are really worried. So I guess visual signs, a bit like that kind of traffic light system. So we've got green is I'm nice and calm. So the cat's kind of walking at a nice kind of normal ploddy pace or maybe trotting along. Tail might be kind of up with a little bit of a kind of flick um, and it, or it might just be down by their side. They might be curled up comfortably, you know, um, and resting. Is normal position, whiskers just kind of loose. Now, amber for a cat, they're starting to kind of show us that they're a bit worried. We might start seeing their ears starting to pivot. And I know you can't see, but I'm doing hand gestures. And um, so the ears might start pivoting around. You might start seeing a bit of a dilated pupil. You might see a bit of a crouching posture as they walk. So kind of looking like they're moving in kind of slow motion. You might get a swishing tail. So kind of a really violent movement of the tail um, or a real puffy kind of tail starting to happen. And whiskers will be kind of pulled back to get a lot of tension in the face. Whiskers are back. Then we get that kind of red. So that the real panic and red for cats, you know, they are an interesting species and they are both predatory, but they're also prey species. They tend to want to get themselves to places of safety. So most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time the cats won't come to you. Sometimes they will, but you know, most of the time they choose to go and hide somewhere. So that might be somewhere up high where they feel safe and they can kind of perch, or they might take themselves away somewhere to hide under the bed, you know, behind the cupboard or, or whatever. And I think because maybe we don't see our cats as often in the day. They might be out about doing their thing. We don't necessarily think it's odd when our cat's not there sometimes. We don't know what they're doing and they're hiding, you know, under the sofa or behind the bed. But actually, that's often a sign that the cat's really stressed. That's such a sad thought that we might just not be recognising stress in our cats as well as our dogs or poor poor cats. And I think we don't we don't tend to spend, you know, we don't tend to walk them. We don't tend to expect them to greet people when people come around. So I think we often mm. miss or just aren't aware that actually they are also fearful or, you know, they're suffering. Mm-hmm. 
So what kinds of things can we do then? It's short notice, you have an anxious dog and, or you have a cat that seems stressed by loud noises. What can you do on the day or just with a few days notice mm -hmm. to help mitigate some of that stress in your pet? Let's start with dogs. Okay, so I would first say that if these responses are really extreme, so if your dog is kind of really panicking, I would definitely go and talk to your vet, ideally not on the day, ideally a couple of days beforehand, because some animals, both dogs and cats, do benefit from anti-anxiety medication, which might be appropriate. And if there's a change in behaviour, so if your dog or your cat has previously been okay with fireworks, but now suddenly has developed a fear or a phobia, which hasn't been there before, then definitely bring them to the vet for a checkup because we know that pain is often very closely associated with um, noise phobias. So if you've got a dog or a cat that's a bit uncomfortable, if they startle with a loud noise, they tense up and it hurts. And we get this massive ramping up of you know, a phobic or fear response. So for me, if it's a new thing, you know, it's an old middle-aged dog or even a younger dog or a cat that suddenly has developed this sort of fear out of nowhere, definitely bring them to the vets for a checkup. So that's my kind of soapbox for that. That's very interesting. It's similar with humans. You know, if you've got a bad back and something annoys you or stresses you, you're exponentially more likely to react in a little bit of a, a more stressed out way, aren't you? I guess it's the same for our pets. No, absolutely. And we know that, you know, pain increases the perception of anxiety and anxiety increases the perception of pain. Mm -hmm. So you can almost get these wind-ups where what is actually on the surface quite a mild pain is starting to really affect how the dog is feeling and also how they are reacting to things like fireworks. So for me, you know, your normal GP vet is a great place to mm -hmm. start. You know, definitely if it's a new thing or you're worried and that it's been there but it's a lot worse now. Yeah. definitely don't assume that that's just normal, that all dogs are like that with fireworks. Always get them checked out. That's really useful. Thank you. Um, and I guess there's that kind of medical thing. So I always sort of talk to my clients about the, the three M's. So medication or medical rule outs, like could there be something physical going on that's making the dog or the cat perceive something to be worse than it is, you know, and that's that one. I then talk about behaviour modification, which you've spoken about in a previous podcast. And, and absolutely, it's not the right time to do it the day before or, you know, the day of. You run the risk of just getting your dog more worried if you do it at the wrong level. So, you know, that's not for now. Suddenly you're trying to train them when they're already stressed and they're thinking, what's going on? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And it's definitely not something you want to rush, noise desensitization. Mm -hmm. So the final one is then kind of management. So short-term things we can do maybe just to help them feel a little bit better. Um, now, I normally say try and walk them well in advance of it getting dark. So it's a bit tricky because November can be dark actually quite early. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people want to set off fireworks quite early so that the children can see it or, what, or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. getting your dog um, or cat out early in the day mm -hmm. and then keeping them inside from dusk onwards absolutely so make sure you're you've closed up cat flaps etc like the cats should be in mm -hmm. I would be closing blinds mm -hmm. 
So you've got kind of a little bit of, of um, blocking out any visual things that they can see outside. Mm-hmm. Some dogs, we've got kind of two different coping strategies that dogs often do. So some dogs will come to the owner a lot for reassurance mm-hmm. and some of them will hide away. So if they're a dog that likes to hide, I like to make them a safe den and I do the same for cats actually. Mm-hmm. So if there's somewhere they often choose to go, then I would use that but just make it more appealing. So I would say it's a crate, for example. Mm-hmm. I'll often look at ways that we can make it more noise um, sort of cancelling. So things like old duvets, mm-hmm. old blankets, mm-hmm. popped over the top of that, obviously ensuring good air airflow. Um, but that can be quite helpful because actually the dog's got somewhere they can hide that's a bit less kind of noisy, if you like. That can be helpful. You can often give them something kind of really positive to do at the same time. So giving them like a chew or giving them something really nice that they like to do can be a really nice thing to do as well. Um, A lot of people or some people talk about the fact that you shouldn't fuss or mollycoddle an anxious pet. What's your view on this? Can it reinforce the behaviour if you're fussing a dog that's already anxious or is it a good thing? Should you be offering them that kind of comfort? What do you think? So this is a really important point and it's something that I you know, I talk to owners a lot about because if you Google it, there's loads of different bits of advice on there. Some people say you should, some people say it's terrible, you know, you're going to make them worse. So I generally say, you know, what's the dog's coping strategy? If it's a dog that wants to go and hide, so it wants to go off under the bed or it wants to go in its crate, let it do that. It's helping it feel better. So you, those dogs, you don't want to be trying to get in the crate with them or pulling them out from under the bed because you think, you know, they should be interacting with you. If that's helping them, leave them be and just let them kind of hide away. Now, you've then got those dogs that really seek human reassurance when they're really worried. Now, I generally explain to my clients like, like this. If the behaviour is motivated by fear or anxiety, doing something nice to them when they're worried is just going to make them feel better. And if you've got a very close relationship with your dog and they're looking for you for guidance and you're like, no, I'm not talking to you till you calm down. Just think about if your partner or your friend did that to you and you were really scared, it would just make you feel worse in that scenario. But how we give that interaction is really important. So dogs are social obligate species. Dogs look to the group on how to respond. So if you're like, it's okay, don't worry, it's okay, it's all going to be okay. The dog's going to be sitting there being like, well, obviously it's not. Have you seen your body language? Does it sound this is okay. terrifying. Yeah, exactly. And so I generally say, give them the least amount that they need. And try to keep your body language calm. It's really tricky when your pet, who you obviously love, is showing signs of being really worried. So, you know, I say take a deep breath, a couple of long, slow strokes. And if you can get them to do something on their own, like a positive um, other behaviour, that's better. So if you can get them to lie down and chew something and Mm -hmm. you just help them to get to that point... Mm -hmm that's better Mm -hmm. because long term a dog the only coping strategy is using the owner that's going to have a real issue one day when you're out and there's a firework so ideally in the there and then 
yeah, give them what they need, but stay nice and calm when you do it. But longer term, we want to provide that dog with different coping strategies, but that's not something to be doing on fireworks night. That's something to be doing later on once the dog's kind of calmer. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So you're almost, you've got to lead by example, I guess, in that situation. If you want your dog to be calm, you should also behave in a calm way. Yeah, just stay nice and calm. You know, dogs are incredibly good at reading our body language. So if you're sitting there all tense, you know, breathing really rapidly, the dog's going to be like, what's wrong with mum or dad? You know, something bad's happening here. So you just staying nice and calm and relaxed often really helps them. Does it work playing classical music? I've heard this bandied around a lot. Does playing classical music for your dog or cat help on fireworks night? Yeah, really good point as well. So often we do that as part of the management strategy. So using something to kind of dampen out, if you like, the noises that are coming from externally. There have been some quite nice studies to show things like playing classical music to dogs when they're under anaesthetic may mean you use slightly less anaesthetic. So maybe it does have a bit of a a calming impact. So that can be helpful. Otherwise, I've had some dogs where they've actually responded better to things like white noise. So white noise can be quite useful, whether that's a fan or whether you're using an actual like white noise app. There's loads of them for baby sleep available. So you can kind of use those. Um, or I've had some dogs where using something with a bit of a beat can be quite useful. So you can get special classical music that they've um, enhanced the bass a bit. So it's a little bit more sort of a disguise, I guess, the noises of the banks outside. But I've had some dogs that have done quite well with a bit of kind of like 90s hip hop R&B type music with a bit more of a bang, you know, beat in the background because <laughs> it can help yeah. and disguise a little bit more the noises that are going on. That sounds like a fun task, actually. Try to find out which music my dog likes best. It sounds like a pretty fun Sunday afternoon. Yes, yeah. And I think, you know, be careful not to only play it when there's going to be fireworks. Right. Because there's a lot of things that clients can do to sort of preempt it. And then the dog starts thinking, oh, no, there's going to be fireworks or there's going to be thunder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just sporadically sometimes doing it once fireworks are passed in the evening, close the blinds, put the music on, do that same setup you would do, but so it doesn't always predict that fireworks are going to happen. And how about for cats? We've spoken quite a lot about what to do for dogs and some of the things will be um, transferable for, for cats as well, but is there anything specific that you can do for a cat or that a cat would need? Yeah, so definitely, you know, for safety reasons, I'd probably make sure that the cat's inside, unless it's going to cause significant undue stress, I'd probably keep the cat in, because you don't want them to hear a firework and bolt, you know, in front of a car or something like that. So, you know, trying to keep them in as much as possible is definitely worthwhile. Doing those same management things, so closing blinds or curtains, popping on some music can be really helpful. And if there is a place where the cat tends to want to rest or hide, then I would make that, again, as noise um, sort of disguising as possible. So noise cancelling, that's the word I'm looking for, as possible. So trying to make it so it's really nice, like a cocoony type area. Cats, um, obviously, they don't tend to use chews, but I use a lot of licky mats for cats with either mm-hmm. some food, you know, some soft cheese or some tuna or wet food on it. That can be quite helpful as well, just to get them to do something else. If the cat is kind of mildly, you know, just a little bit aware, but not super stressed, 
then I would again maybe play with the cat that might be useful to kind of you know give them something else positive to do and again you know there are medications that we can use for cats as well so if your cat is very stressed definitely talk to your vet about those as well. And lots of people kind of go out in the days leading up to fireworks night and they buy all kinds of gadgets and and different uh, smelling things um, (laughs) for their pet. Do these work? What kind of gadgets or products uh, would you recommend and wouldn't you recommend that that a pet owner Mm -hmm. rushes out and buys today? Yeah, good good question. So I guess for cats, first of all, I tend to recommend Fellaway. So Fellaway is a plug-in diffuser that goes into the wall. So make sure you're plugging it in somewhere with reasonable airflow. So it's going to kind of diffuse around. And most people ask me, will it make your house one of cats? You can't smell it. So only cats can perceive the the pheromone. So something like that would probably be worthwhile doing. For dogs, we've got something called Adaptil. um, That's a pheromone product for them. So both of those, you know, could be beneficial. And some of my clients find that um, pet remedy it is helpful as well for their pets so that's something that we could look at using mm-hmm. and then if the dog or the cat is kind of mildly stressed you know just a little bit anxious maybe you could think about using one of the nutraceuticals mm-hmm. so the sort of over-the-counter supplements if you like and um, the data behind their usage is not super duper gold standard and they're not going to be enough if your dog is really stressed. Mm-hmm. So if your dog or your cat is panicking, you need to go and see the vet. It's not an over-the-counter type supplement. Mm-hmm. But maybe the dog's a little bit worried, you know, it, it might be worth trialing. But most of those things, you know, really you should be starting a couple of days beforehand if you can. Mm-hmm. And all of these things we've talked about today, which have all been incredibly useful for use on the day of firework night. But, it, you know, there's going to be a fireworks night next year. There might be fireworks on, on New Year's Eve. So for a scared pet, for an anxious pet, this is really a long term um, issue to be addressed, isn't it? Yes. Before we finish, what kind of tips mm-hmm. or pieces of advice would you give to an owner that does actually want to improve their pet's anxiety in a loud noise situations after fireworks night? What can they do in the next weeks and months? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think, you know, if you're worried about the fact that your pet's not coping, often over time it gets worse because next year they'll remember how bad it was last year once it started and that anxiety will kind of increase. So I would definitely, it's always worthwhile getting help early with these things. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried that your dog or your cat is either, you know, not coping generally in life and, and noise is part of that, Mm -hmm. or really is just if you like it's just noises that we want to work on I would discuss with your vet about maybe getting a referral to someone that can help so you've either got um, clinical animal behaviorists that might be able to help so they are um, sort of degree qualified if you like behaviorists that have been through exams um, but they can't prescribe and they're not vets or you can get a referral to see a veterinary behaviorist So, you know, talk to your vet, see what for your pet is the most appropriate. But I definitely would seek help early. So, you know, these things we've talked about are very general. But what works for one dog might not be what works for your dog or cat. So kind of having a specific plan for your pet is really important so that you can help them next year. You know, it might not be such a drama as it is this year if we've got a good plan together. Thank you so much, Julie. I really hope this information helps. A couple of pups or cats uh, feel less stressed this weekend. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me.